Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. I love confidence building messages. I love messages that build confidence in people. Things like, uh, you can do it. Whatever you set your mind to, you can achieve. Dare to dream. Uh, push through your boundaries. All of these kind of messages, I absolutely love them. And uh, the fact is that we can do a lot of things that we set our mind to. I've got personal goals with family relationships. I've got financial goals. I've got um, fitness goals. Go to the gym, set some goals. All of these things, I fully intend to achieve every single one of them. I love messages that tell me you can do it. This morning, however, is not one of those messages. In fact, the title of this morning's message is this, uh, you cannot do it. (laughs) And uh, I don't know what it, you don't have what it takes. Happy Easter. (laughs) The fact is, I did say thank you to you guys, but anyway, you can stay here the whole time if you'd like. Uh, The fact is this, that uh, you can't raise yourself from the dead. There's not one single person here that can raise themselves from the dead. There are a lot of people in Scripture that were raised from the dead by somebody else. In fact, Elijah raised the uh, Shunammites. Son, the Shunammite woman, got to say that very carefully or I swear, uh, from, from the dead. Jesus raised Lazarus. That's probably his most famous resurrection is the resurrection of Lazarus. He raised uh, uh, the widow of Nain, her son, from, from the dead. You know, he raised people from the dead. But then there's a time, and we're celebrating this today, where he was dead. The one that gave life, the one that was uh, a stone of offense to religion. Religious people had a hard time with Jesus, still do today, I might add. uh, He's dead now. He's in a tomb of stone. The rock of offense is now surrounded by rock. In fact, the giant rock is in front of the opening to the cave that he's in. He's dead. I think about the first day of the week, it says in Luke, chapter um, 24, and we'll just par- I'll just paraphrase that, but um, starting in verse 1, it says that uh, the women came very early on the first day of the week, which was Sunday. Saturday was their Sabbath back then under, under the Jewish calendar. And, and these women come to the grave. They bring spices very early in the morning. And they notice that the stone's been rolled away And that his body's not in the tomb. And that's why we're celebrating today, Resurrection Sunday. He's gone. And there are two men there that are shining like lightning, it says. I don't know if you've ever seen a flash of lightning. It's pretty bright. You don't want to look at it. So these women prostrate themselves on the ground. They uh, dare not look. And these are two angels. And they say this, they, they basically say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. That's good news. And, and I think about the, the, these women, they're, 
they're mentioned in other, other scriptures there, but you've got uh, Joanna who was married to King Herod. Do you remember him? He had John the Baptist beheaded. Not a nice guy. Historically, uh, his, historians write about him, very uh, authoritative, one of the, one of the most ruthless uh, rulers that there were at the time. He, she's married to his right-hand man, Johanna. She's one of the women there. Like, what's going to happen to her now that her deliverer is gone? He's dead. He's not there. Then I think about Mary Magdalene. She was there, and she had had seven tormenting demons in her. She was what we'd call today insane. She was restored through Jesus into her right mind, and she's there. Who's going to deliver her now that her deliverer is gone? I think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there. She received all the incredible prophecies that we talked about at Christmas time. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be Emmanuel, God with us, the Christ child. And she received all of these beautiful, wonderful prophecies. And now, as any mother would be, she's gutted. And, and her son, his body's not there. It's not in the tomb. Where's it gone? Where, where, where is he? I, I, I like the fact that he rose from the dead, but a, a lot of us are... are revelation of that fact doesn't go very far, I'll be quite frank. Uh, it's like we're singing about Jesus was put on a cross, died a horrific death, but now he's raised from the dead. Hurrah for Jesus. Isn't that good? It's like anybody that uh, we thought, oh, they're going to die. They're in the hospital, whatever, and, uh, and, and they came through. It's like, whoa, that's exciting. We're going to have another birthday. They'll be there at, you know, the next family gathering or, or whatever. That's good on you, Jesus. That's so good. Give it up for Jesus. But the message this morning, you don't have what it takes. It goes so much further than just Jesus rose from the dead, and that's exciting because we have eternal life. We're going to go to heaven. If it stops there, that's, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's Something missing that's usually missed by so many people when it comes to a revelation of what it means for Easter Sunday, certainly what we're celebrating today. What I've found is it's very hard to give somebody something that they think they already have. Have you ever noticed that, that if you try to give somebody a car and they've already got five cars or something, like, it's like, really? Like, I don't need your old Holden. I've Got a Mercedes or whatever it is parked in the driveway, thank you. I don't need your car. I don't need your secondhand clothes, or I don't need you to take me shopping. I got plenty of clothes, thank you. It's hard to give somebody something that they already have. I was, uh, several years ago, I used to uh, travel and preach. I was itinerant, and I was down in, uh, in Melbourne, and I was preaching for... Uh, this small church down there, and it preached, you know, several places, but I had a, a meeting with this particular uh, woman whose husband had disappeared, long story, but she owned a restaurant uh, down there in the Dandenong Mountains called the Cuckoo Restaurant, if you're from that area, and somebody goes, yeah, I remember it. Uh, so I'm talking with her, and, and she set up this meeting with, uh, between me and, and her son, 
And, uh, and she really put the pressure on me to get this guy saved. And I'm like, well, nothing like some pressure. Like, I don't even know that the guy's like 21 or 22, something like that. And uh, so she puts this lunch on. It's just me and him sitting at the table, just met, stranger, and she leaves. And it's like, okay, you know, come on, evangelist Ed, do your stuff. And so I said, so what have you been up to? Driving a BMW, he just got back from an uh, incredible uh, ski at, uh, I think, uh, one of the ski resorts around that area. And, uh, and he's sitting there, he's got, you know, a beautiful girlfriend, got lots of money. <laughs> and so I thought, well, time's ticking on, and she's expecting me to do a miracle here with this guy. And so I said to him, um, so are you saved? And he looked at me, and he goes, Saved from what? Like I'm driving a nice car. Got a nice girlfriend. I've got plenty. I've just come back from skiing. Like, what is there for me to be saved from? And about that time, it really hit me. I thought, in his mind, he doesn't see that he's got any need. I'm trying to sell him something that he's already got. Many of you are sitting here right now, and you're probably about where he's at right now. It's like, I came to church because a friend invited me to church. It's Easter Sunday, of course we go, Easter and Christmas, and, and, and so I'm here. But what's the point? What, what is the, the message? Why are these people singing fanatically about this Jesus that lived 2,000 years ago that rose from the dead? Like that's, that's, that's great for him, but I don't see the need for me. And the message is that there is a need for you. And it's not just so that you can die and go to heaven and get your ticket stamped and, and it says, Jesus, okay, Peter's going to let you go through the pearly gates or something like that. Until you see that the need is that you're actually existing, but you're not alive. See, most of us think because we're breathing that we've got life. So it's very hard to sell somebody life or tell somebody about life when they think they've already got life and they're already living. I can remember, I'll go back to that story in a minute, but uh, I remember sitting around a board, uh, a, a meeting of management at, at the company. I used to work in corporate America in finance and uh, looking at these guys and they're all older than me. I'm in my early 20s, graduated from college. And I'm looking at all of them, and they're kind of at the end of their, uh, they're getting ready to retire, probably about where, where my age is right now. And I'm looking around that room, and they all had money. They'd all climbed the corporate ladder. They all had, you know, very prominent positions in the company. We lived in a great city, San Diego. I was climbing a corporate ladder. I had a brand new car. I uh, had a house that I was paying off, and I had, a, I had everything going for me. I was living the dream for a young guy like that. But there was something missing. And I think that for most of us, until we get a revelation of what death is, we'll never discover what life is. Jesus came along and he showed us what death is by putting his life next to our life. He showed us that death is envy. Death is rebellion. Death is jealousy. 
Death is, what does death look like? Death looks like anger. Death looks like lust and materialism. Death looks like wrong ways of thinking. Death looks like unforgiveness. And he showed us so dramatically, and he showed the early church's disciples, and they wrote this down, what life looks like. He came, it says, we handled the word of life. We, we touched him. We, we saw him with our own eyes. We, we heard his words. They wrote that down. This is what life looks like. Anything else is existence, but it's not life. And so we are, in, a, in essence, so many people are, are dead men walking, but they don't realize it. They think because they filled their existence full of happy things, that they're alive. I've, I've surrounded myself with great friends. So as long as those great friends don't die on me or leave me or betray me or something like that, I'm alive. I've got a great life. We go on cruises, and I like a cruise. I really do. It's bad for the waistline, but it's a happy place. We've been on several cruises. They're, they're incredibly happy places. The entertainment is incredible. The food Amazing. You meet new people. They're, they're, they're happy times in existence. And, and so we fill our soul, the voids in our soul, we fill that with houses and cars and, and entertainment and binging on entertainment and, and, and lots and lots and lots of stuff that says, you're alive. You don't need what they're talking about down there on Sunday, this Jesus life resurrection thing. And so we don't buy into it because, well, I've already got it. I already have what it takes. In fact, on top of that, I'm a good person. I buy a ticket into Endeavor. Shout out for Endeavor. You know, I'm benevolent. I hope we win. We'll buy five tickets. Increases our chances of winning that house. But I'm doing it because of the people that Endeavor helps. And so we do little kind things or, or maybe big kind things thinking that if I do that, I've got what it takes because I'm alive. Well, nobody buys into anything that they think that they already have. And the message is you don't have what it takes. Jesus is mangled. His body is in the, in the grave, comes out of the tomb, resurrection Sunday. He's been to the cross. But what happened on that cross that killed him? It was not just the physical torture that he endured, the pounding of nails through his feet and his hands and his uh, a spear in his side and suffocation was the way they died on the cross. They'd push themselves up, take a breath. Their lungs were full of blood, and then they'd collapse and up and down. If you could see a crucifixion, you'd see the people on the crosses pushing up, trying to breathe, and then finally they couldn't take it anymore. They'd go down again. And, but he wasn't the only one that was crucified. There were one on either side of him that were crucified. Crucifixion was one of the main sources of, of uh, of, or methods of torture by the Romans. It was uh, excruciating torture because it just lasted and lasted until finally they wouldn't push themselves up anymore, the pain, and they would, they would suffocate, and eventually they would die. 
It was horrific what happened to him on the cross. What, what else happened to him, which was even more horrific that we can't really get a, a, a grasp on that, is that he took the source of, of, of pain and all of the death of humanity. He took the source of the, the rebellion that we see in the world, that we see humans doing horrendous things to other human beings, right? When somebody says we've evolved to a, a much higher level than, than the apes. Well, read the news. I don't think so. I don't think that we're getting better at all because we've denied the very source or the very cause, the roots of what's going on here. He took the source of the problems on the cross along with the physical incredible pain and torture, and that source is called sin. Oh, Pastor Ed, like you don't really believe in, you know, really? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. I believe that in the heart of human beings is a nature called the sin nature. It's been there since the very fall. It's rebelling against God. It's saying, I've got what it takes, God. I don't really need you to give me a list of things or to order my life or to tell me how to run my life. I'm going to do it my way. And so we do. And somebody comes along, a preacher or Somebody in this congregation shares something with you that, well, you need life. But I'm alive. No, I've already got it. You don't understand. I'm happy. I don't, I, I've got no needs. No, you don't understand. You actually have a big need. You, you're just blind and you cannot see it. So that young man, going back to the lunch, he said, save for what? And I found that the evangelist, the guy that was preaching to everybody, couldn't really answer that to him, not on that spot. And I started laughing. I looked at him, I thought, you're right, pal, you don't have any needs. I, I thought I could play the hell card and say, well, you know, you, you know if you don't know Jesus, you're going to go to hell. True, but not really going to uh, quench his thirst. In fact, most of us don't realize it, but what we think is actually quenching our thirst that we're calling life is actually a mirage. It's like a person stumbling through the desert. Eventually the thirst gets so bad that they look off in the distance and they think that they see a lake or, or water. And so they start to walk towards that or even run toward that because they picture themselves, I'm going to dive into that water and my thirst is going to be quenched. I'm going to be satisfied once and for all. If I could just get to that water, but they don't understand is the water doesn't actually exist. It's a mirage. It's a reflection off of the heat of the sand or, or the pavement. It doesn't exist. It's never going to quench your thirst, because it's not life. It'll suck life out of you, but it'll never give life to you. Existence itself without God is not life. Because life is your existence with love. Life is your existence walking in faith. Life is your existence with peace and joy and hope. And all of these things, your life 
is in one word, in God, in Jesus is life. Anything outside of him is existence with maybe some happiness tagged on, but it's not life. Some of us think that when we get Jesus, it's kind of like an add-on to the life that I know I've already got. I've got a great life, and, and quite frankly, I, I've, I've had a good life both materially and with friendships and relationships, got a great wife, got a family here, got a great church. And so we're sold this idea that my happy existence plus Jesus equals life. It's kind of like, <laughs> would you like some sugar with your tea? <laughs> it'll, it'll taste better. It's like Jesus plus or, or, sorry, existence plus Jesus is going to give you what you want. But friend, it's not Jesus plus anything equals life. Jesus is your life. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, or just before that, Martha comes to him. as Martha and Mary. Mary stays at home and Martha comes and she goes, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would be alive. You could have raised him from the dead. I know that you do resurrections really well. And he looks at her and he goes, Martha, I am the resurrection. That troubled me for a long time. I thought, what does that mean? <laughs> I am the resurrection. And it wasn't until, I, I think it's John 14, that he says to his disciples, I'm not just a way. Oh yeah, there's many ways to eternal life and there's many ways to God. And he says, no, no, no. I am the way. I, I am the life. No, nobody comes to the Father except through me. I'm never going to be an add-on in your life. You can go to church, and church might become an add-on to your life, and you can do benevolent things, and it becomes an add-on to your life, and you can add some Christian friends, and that becomes an add-on to your life, but Jesus is never an add-on to your life. Jesus is your life. He's either Lord of all, he's either your life, or he's nothing at all. You have to make a choice on that. It's never going to be Jesus plus. And it's never going to be existence plus Jesus. It's always him, 100%. I am the resurrection. Now, this is such good news, and it's why we shout and we sing. We take up a Sunday morning doing what we do here, wanting for other people to experience and to know what life is really like beyond just existence with happy things filling your life, calling that life. Realizing that you don't actually have what you think you have. And it's not just a ticket again to heaven. But it's why we sing and why we shout 
and the revelation of that is that in Him, He is the resurrection. In other words, He's not just going to raise my old existence to a higher level. It's not going to be Jesus plus. It's going to be a brand new life, but that brand new life is in Him, that we partake in His death. In other words, that sin nature that was in me is gone. That's what it means. Jesus says you got to be born again. It's not just some cliche thing that somebody holds up at a footy game. You must be born again. It's well and truly, it's the truth. Unless one is born again, he can't even see the kingdom of God. I'm not the way or a way, rather. Uh, I am the way. I am the life. I am the resurrection. And, And the requirement is simple. Just be found in him. Step into him. That's called only believe. It's not like I can do part of this myself and then he'll do the rest. No, you don't have what it takes. That's the message. But he does. So if I step into him, guess what? I've got what it takes now. And what it takes is him. 100% him, 0% me. Isn't that good news? That was the best news for me. Because ultimately... If we're honest, when our head hits the pillow and we close our eyes at night, (laughs) if we really think, how good am I really? What was my thought life like today? What were my intentions, my motives for doing those kind deeds, giving that money to Endeavor or whatever? (laughs) What, 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 how good am I really? And if you're really, really honest, The answer is you're not that good. But I'm happy because I've got good family and good friends, a nice house and a nice car. So I don't really need religion on top of that. And you're right. You don't need religion at all, but what you do need is Jesus because your existence is not life, but you think that your existence is life. The cross is the great crossroads. It's where your life intersects, where you realize, I'm not that good. I don't really have what it takes to raise me from the dead, not in this life or in the life after. Therefore, I need a Savior. That's what salvation is all about. The Greek word sozo for salvation is he came to save, to seek and save that which is lost. He came to give life to everybody on the planet, even the ones that think that they already have it. But the stepping, the crossroads, if you will, is to come to the cross and realize, no, I don't have what it takes. I believe that's humility. I believe it's just a humbling point. I remember when I came to that, I was in a hotel room at 1555 8th Avenue, San Diego, California, the Astro Hotel reading a, a Bible that some older women had given to me, wanted to have a new life, wanted to turn over a new leaf, so to speak, get off of you know drugs and getting drunk and partying all the time. And they had a great job and had new friends and had you know new drug friends and party friends. <laughs> and it's like, I'm young, I'm living the dream, man. Like, whoa. But I came to that crossroads. And most 
or many of us have as well, where we think there must be something more to this than just living the good life till I end up in the nursing home or whatever. Going, what was that really all about? It's recognizing that I do have a need, that I don't have what it takes. Not using him just as a crutch when I'm desperate, when bad things happen, I'm going to call on God when the doctor says there's no hope and when the banker says you're going bust and when this bad thing happens to me, but realizing that God, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly, but we're already alive. No, I came that you might have life, that you might have me, and I will give you life, abundant life. If you've experienced that, and I hope that most of us have, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, this is amazing. I thought I was living the dream. I thought I was alive. I thought I had it all together. And I did in a lot of ways. But there was something major missing. And that is life from my creator. Life from the person that designed me. Life from life himself. Life that only he can give. That's what was missing. And until you step over that line and find yourself stepping into him and realizing that that death gets swallowed up in life. And what he did on the cross, it says, he who knew no sin, <laughs> he never sinned, he never missed it once. He's the only one, because he, he, he had the divine nature in him, in his humanity, and, 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 and it says that he who knew no sin, had no intimacy, no knowledge of sin whatsoever. He saw it around him, but he didn't partake of it. It wasn't in his very nature. He only had divinity and and something called righteousness, which is total uprightness between him and the Father. See, the Father can't look at sin at all. And when his son took the very sin nature that's in our hearts, he took out our heart of stone. And when he went to the cross and went into a cave of stone, he took the very nature called sin, the rebellion against God, thinking that we could do it our way. He took that on the cross. He who knew no sin, it says, was made to be sin. He didn't sin, but he took it. He was made to be sin so that you could be the righteousness of God. He took that totally. And so the, 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 it's so easy, the gospel message, gospel means good news, is this, that in him you died so that you don't have to die and be separate from God. In him you were raised so that you, whatever his history where he is, there am I. That is such good news that my mind, I celebrate, I sing, and I pray, and I I get excited about it. I can't always articulate it, but it's an amazing thing. And and with that, your eyes get open, and you see that, wow, I actually didn't have life when I thought I had life. I actually had something maybe called happiness most of the time, or maybe not, but but I never had what what he came to give me, which is life. And now I can see, like the, the song Amazing Grace, I was blind. Amazing grace. 
but now I see. We think we can do part of it, and we can't. That's why it says this in Ephesians. It says, I think it's Ephesians 2, it says, it is by grace. Grace is, means an unmerited gift. It's, it's unmerited. You didn't deserve it. It's, it's, it's favor, charis. It's, it's, God, it's, by, it's by grace and grace alone. And that not of yourselves. It's through faith you've got to believe to receive. By grace you have been saved. By faith. That not of yourself. You don't have what it takes. Hot shot. But it is the gift of God. And the only, the only requirement is to receive. I receive. It's just that simple. But you won't receive it if you don't believe that you need it if you think you've already got it. I'm going to pray in a moment because I would hope that all of us will be able to not just walk out of here but run out of here with joy and all the things that God gives you with true life that are way, way better than happiness is like a cheap counterfeit. That we would run out of here with joy in our hearts, with a new spring in our step, that we would walk out with our eyes open. I know what he's done. What an exchange. Why wouldn't you? Well, pride, lack of humility, being deceived that the mirage is going to give you eternal life or something going to quench your thirst when it's never going to. I would, I would pray that the triumph of the cross and the joy of the resurrection would be for all of us this morning and anyone that's watching online. I would pray that today would be the day if you're here and you haven't stepped across that line that you just be part of this simple prayer that I'm going to pray in a moment. And I want to include you in on it. But it's going to take you to come to grips with the fact that you don't really have what you think you have. And you don't have what it takes to achieve what you think that you need to achieve. That you just be brutally honest. Because you know you better than anybody else knows you other than God. Coming to that point, that's the intersection, that's the cross, realizing that that old person, as good as he or she may look, as good as he or she may have behaved, and as good as they got it, it's filling all the voids in my soul. It's not life. But God wants to give me his very life in exchange for the very thing that's killing this whole world. That's, that's not a fair exchange. It wasn't fair on him, but that's, that's the beauty of it. He's not fair. He's just, but he's not fair. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if that's you, why don't we close our eyes? I'd like the uh, worship team to come up. Thanks. You're here this morning. 
And you got it together. Maybe um, not in every area, but you got it together. But based on what I've preached, do you have life? Do you have Jesus as your Lord? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. It says that if you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord, Lord means He's everything. And, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. That's what we're celebrating today. You shall be saved. If He's not the Lord and you don't believe in your heart that He's alive, and you think that you got what it takes, then the inference is, well, then you're not saved. You're existing, maybe happy, but this salvation, this life that we're talking about, you don't have it. Would you be brutally honest? I did that in a hotel room. I, was, I just got brutally honest with myself. <laughs> and what I was reading showed me very, very clearly that I needed a Savior, that I didn't have what it takes. I wonder if you would answer question, that question very, very honestly this morning and go, you know what? I don't have what it takes either. And I'm not going to be so proud that I wouldn't ask Him into my heart. That I would knock back thinking I've already got what it takes. I would ask you to pray this prayer after me, and it's not a formula. The prayer is similar every week, but not exactly the same. It doesn't have to be. It's just a matter of the heart. If you're watching online, if you'd like to pray as well, then I'd be happy to lead you in a prayer for you to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and receive eternal life starting now. So I'd ask you to pray this prayer after me. Say, Dear God, I thank you for loving me so much that you would send your Son, your righteousness, to swallow up my sin, the very nature. Jesus, I ask you into my heart. I make you the Lord of my life. Because you're alive, and I'm now in you, I am alive. I receive eternal life now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, saints. Give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.